The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in right paths for his name's sake. While preparing for my sermon over the past few weeks, I spent a great deal of time poring over the words of this psalm that have been familiar to me since childhood. I grew up knowing Psalm 23. I've heard, heard, sorry, I've heard pastors preach on it multiple times. I've heard the words echoed through hymns and anthems, and I even memorized all six verses in my Bible study class at summer camp years ago. However, in my renewed inspection of the scripture, the language caught my attention first. Whether simply my English teacher's emphasis on diction or a stylistic choice on King David's part, the authoritative active verbs describing the Lord's guidance stood out to me above all else. God doesn't helpfully suggest that the speaker rest on green grass or gently advise him to take a walk along a calm lake. Instead, God makes him do these things, literally leading him along the intended path hand in hand. Like a parent caring for a child or, in the apt comparison of the psalm, like a shepherd leading his sheep, God knows what is best for us. Through God, we never have to be in need. Instead, the Lord offers us everything we require before we can ever ask. He anticipates our every want and all we need is faith. The trust that the action God inspires in our lives is the right course. At least for me, having constant faith in God's plan is the hardest expectation in Christianity. As I was reminded by the colorful poster in my elementary Sunday school room each week, faith is the trust in things not seen a statement so much easier said than done. I've had multiple instances where my own faith has wavered, times when I've ignored the path chosen for me and tried to go my own way instead. Yet each time, I realize in the end that my own choices can't come close to providing the same fulfillment and lasting joy that come from following God's path. My biggest resistance to the Lord's plan occurred a little less than four years ago when my family made a whirlwind move to Memphis. I felt resentful towards my situation, my parents, and even God, as I was placed into a city where I knew next to no one and had to leave my old friends behind. I tried to see only the negative side of my new life, but with time and a bit more perspective, I now realize that my family's move is one of the best and most fulfilling events that have ever happened to me. I learned that forming relationships in two cities is better than just having friends in one. I learned how to be a better student, a harder worker, and a more resilient and open-minded person. And I learned how to join a new faith community which holds the power to inspire and shape my personal relationship with God. Although I can't change the past, I wish that I had entered Memphis with a bit more peace and grace and with the understanding that I have now, that every aspect of my life is a crucial part of God's plan, which is right and which is good. In the midst of grief and worry, I try to remember that God doesn't lead us or push us to experience hardships as punishment. Instead, these instances show us the greener pastures on the other side. In restoring our souls, he doesn't minimize our grief to simply return us to our original condition. Instead, he acknowledges us, enriches us, enhances our lives, and makes us more whole than we were before. Our God is a God of action, who leads us by example, walks alongside us, and calls us as Christians to inspire the lives of others in the same way that he inspires us. Even in the midst of unprecedented events and worldly troubles, I find it reassuring that, because of God's grace and love and the power that his name holds, we never really need to doubt our paths or fear our uncertain futures. Instead, the Lord will be alongside us, whether literally or figuratively, every step of the way. Psalm 23, verse 4 reads, Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. When I initially set out to explore this verse, the first part that jumped out at me was the darkest valley. 
The words alone sparked so much fear and questioning that I couldn't move past them. So I set out to discover what the darkest valley really is and if there's a valley that is specific to me. Surely the darkest valley for each of us is the thing that is crowded by question marks and conjures negativity, whether it be medical, emotional, spiritual, or other. After pondering for days on end, I was still left without an answer. I decided maybe I haven't lived long enough to experience my valley, or maybe the things that I thought were my valleys weren't, for they are all resolved. Once I acknowledged that I couldn't remember a specific dark valley, out of surrender, I read the rest of the verse. Immediately, I realized that this verse points out the reason why I can't recall one. This verse isn't supposed to call attention to the things that torment me. Rather, it's a message of reassurance and relief. This verse delivers the good news that even though we encounter times where we feel great uncertainty, we don't have to cower in fear. The Lord, our shepherd, uses his staff to guide us back to our path when we wander towards the valley, and his rod ensures protection along the way. When we are in these vulnerable times, it is easy to feel that we have lost touch with the Lord. Psalm 23, however, tells us to trust that even when we feel distant or lost, we need not fear. For when we stray from the path, he brings us back, and with God as our leader, we continue. God may not always hand us the answer or immediately deliver us to comfort, but he is there guiding us towards it. By calling out and knowing that he is there, you can start to feel his rod and his staff around you. Sometimes this isn't so easy during trying times, yet after the journey I have taken with this verse, I know that if I think to the last time that I was weighed down by uncertainty and the way that God led me through it, then I know surely he will lead me again. Especially now, as our entire community travels as a flock through the darkest valley, I hope that we can all feel our Savior's rod and staff and be comforted, knowing he will return us to the path with protection, and we will find our way out with his help as we have before. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord my whole life long. Two weeks ago, when I first started working on this sermon, my life looked a lot different. I was certain I had three months left of high school. I was certain I would go to one last prom. I was certain I would join the other seniors at Idlewild on April 5th for the blessing of the graduates. I was certain I would walk across the stage at Lausanne's graduation. I was certain I would work for Kelly English this summer before heading off to college in the fall. Now, I'm not certain of any of that. I don't expect to ever go to class in high school again. I don't expect that we'll gather for the blessing of the graduates or even for a high school graduation. I'm not even sure Duke will be open to receive students in the fall. I think it was best put in a tweet I saw recently which said, to be honest, I didn't plan on giving up this much for Lent. <laughs> so it's within this context that we read the 23rd Psalm. It says that you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And I'm going to be honest, I thought that was kind of weird. Who would prepare a table in the presence of enemies? But upon further reflection, I think that's kind of the point. 
there's always going to be enemies. There's always going to be dangers and prejudices and diseases and reasons to fear. But God nevertheless prepares a table for us. In the presence of enemies, he isn't hoarding toilet paper. He is bountiful and calm. But it's the last few lines that really hit home for me. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord my whole life long. Surely, it says. Right now, nothing feels sure for us high school seniors. In fact, nothing feels sure for any of us. We don't know when life will get back to normal or what that will even look like. But surely, God's goodness and mercy will follow us. Surely, we will dwell in the house of the Lord. That's the promise that has sustained so many people in times of trial. That's the promise that can sustain us again today. And sustained by that promise, maybe we can prepare tables for others around us. Maybe we can share that goodness and mercy with people who are struggling even more than we are in these hard times. This is not how we expected to finish our high school careers at Idlewild, by speaking to a virtual congregation assembled on live stream. But surely, we will get through this with the promise of God's love. And surely, that love will sustain us until we are all gathered in one place again.